Well, good morning. Good morning. You guys ready to hear the word? Yes. Amen. We got baptisms today, so we invite you to praise the Lord. And we think we're baptizing eight today. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. So if you're here visiting, perhaps, you know, to, uh, to be a part of a family or friends baptism, we welcome you this morning. If you just happen to find our church, we welcome you too. And if you come more than a couple times, your family at that point is how we treat it. People ask me all the time, how do I join Christian Center Church? You come, you tithe, and if you can bake a casserole in a 9 by 13 disposable pan, you're in. I have to taste it first, though. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke 18 this morning. I feel like I have a word. And my title that I felt like the Lord laid on my heart is, Don't Fake It, You Won't Make It. Don't Fake It. You won't make it because how many have lived a long enough life to know that, especially in the day and age we live in, and I'm sure everybody can understand and agree with this statement, that the day and age we live in, it's never been easier to fake something, right? Uh, these days we live in, you don't even know if the actor you're watching maybe on the TV screen is actually real. It could be AI generated. It could be fake. Uh, the day we live in, there's all these filters. I'm amazed at the filters. My kids will take a picture and, I mean, you can take a picture and whiten your teeth, erase the lines, and lose 10 pounds before you ever post it. So it's never been easier than to fake something. It's never, and I want to talk today about being real. Everybody say authentic. So God wants us to be real and authentic. It's interesting that over 157 times in the New Testament alone, it uses the term uh, they were together, or all of us, or in other words, our Christianity is never meant to be lived out apart from relationship with each other, because I found in my life that some of the people that have challenged me when I'm walking the wrong direction are those in close proximity to me. So it's very important that we be real, that we be authentic, that we live the type of life that pleases God, uh, and not be a mask wearer, amen? Anybody want to take off the mask today? I read a, uh, an author by the name of John Lynch a few, many years ago, several years ago. And it was a really crucial, important time in my life uh, because I was seeking God, but I didn't really know how to seek God. Has any ever been, anybody ever been there? You, you begin to understand that there's a hole, there's something missing in your life, there's, there's something that should be there that's not. And when I started to come to that place in my life, I, in, in the story that he put in the book I'm going to put into my own words today but it tremendously impacted me but the story went something like this that at one time in my life I was empty I was apart from God I was away from God and I began to recognize my need for God now I didn't know which direction to head I didn't know whether to head down this road or head down that road and really the the cross signs that I came to that were pointing in two different directions of paths were two signs, and one read, trusting God, and it pointed down this road, and the other one said, pleasing God, and it pointed down the other road. And as I came to this sign, I looked at it, and I began to ponder it, and I thought, well, okay, trusting God, I don't really know what that means, because I don't know God's character, I don't know His disposition, I don't, nobody had ever really told me that God loved me and had a plan for my life, and it sounded kind of out there. It sounded kind of difficult to accomplish. Okay, what does trusting God mean? I don't even know who God is. And as I looked at the other sign, it said pleasing God, and it pointed down uh, the road on the left. 
And looking at that sign, I thought, well, wait, you know, that's something I can begin to wrap my mind around. Because perhaps all the problems and issues going on in my life are probably because I've already made God mad and offended him and done something to upset him. So I can wrap my mind because God is a God that tells us very clearly what I've heard of him in his word is God's pleased when we keep his commandments, when we do what he says to do. So seeing the sign that said trusting God and seeing the sign that said pleasing God, I began to walk down the road of pleasing God. And as I walked down this road, I was comforted to know that it was well-worn. There had been a lot of people evidently walk back and forth on this road because it was very clearly marked. As I looked down the road of trusting God, it just didn't seem like many people had walked down that road. So I thought, well, okay, maybe my life is really messed up because I'm not pleasing. Maybe he's displeased with me. Maybe he's just not happy. And I went down the road of pleasing God. And as I'm walking down this road... I finally come around a corner to a clearing, and as I look ahead, there is a beautiful, gorgeous, enormous building right there in front of me. And this building was elaborately laid out. You could see that it had stained glass windows, and maybe it had uh, big, large doors. And above the, the, the building there, it said this. It said, be all God expects you to be. And I think this, I I think, okay, I can wrap my mind around that. I'm a hard worker. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps twice, or or pull myself up by my bootstraps type. And as I began to ponder that, I thought, well, you know, at 18 years old, I was not so pleasantly asked to leave my house. (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) So I was on my own. I was paying for school. I was going to school at night. I was working a full-time job. I, in other words, I was on my own, and I had been on my own for many years when I began to feel this something inside of me of what direction do I head to even get to this God that I feel is speaking to me, that I feel is, is pulling me towards him. And as you come to this beautiful, elaborate building, it said above the door, be all that God expects you to be. And as I approached the door, beautiful door, double doors, wood, elaborate, carved, it had a sign right above the doorknob that said self-effort. And I thought, okay, I can begin to do this. I can, I can turn that handle. I can walk through this door. I, I can wrap my mind around that. I, I, know how to, I know how to pull myself up. I know how to do this. So as I turned the knob, it was kind of difficult to turn, but as I opened the door, the inside of the building was even more beautiful than the outside of the building. It had stained glass windows, and there's a large room with a crowd of people on the inside. And as I walk in, the hostess then begins to come towards me, and she says, well, hello and welcome. How are you doing? And I said, well, I'm not doing very well. I have a lot of issues in my life. I feel far from God. I don't know how to get to him. I, I, I struggle with envy. I struggle with lust. I struggle with... The, and she says, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. And she hands me something. You guys love my sermon illustrations, don't you? She hands me a mask. And she says, whoa, we don't get that honest here in this room. So she pulls out of her purse, she pulls her mask, and then I will look around at everybody else in the room. And there's a lot of signs hanging on the wall. First sign I came to, I saw it said, do this and God might be pleased with you. 
get yourself together and then come to God was on the other wall. And every so often there would be a a voice come on the loudspeaker in the room and it would say this. It would say, this room is under constant divine surveillance. Watch yourself. So I made sure my mask was real close. I made sure my mask was on tight. Amen? I made sure the mask was right where it should be that everybody that in this room, because what I quickly learned is that the people in the room didn't want honesty. They wanted to wear a mask. They didn't want to get real about the issues in their life. I quickly learned this because as I stayed, listen, I stayed in that room for not weeks and not months. I stayed in that room for years. And staying in that room taught me something about the people I was in the room with is when you really got close enough to the people that were wearing the mask, because it was always a smile, right? Hey, how are you doing today? Bless God, I'm fine. But when you got close enough to them and the mask began to slip off, Brother Dennis, you began to see there was a lot of pain on their faces. You began to see that there was a lot of worry on their faces. You began to see that there was a lot of concern and there was a lot of hurt and there was a lot of pain when the mask began to slip a little bit. So years ago, I decided I'm running far out of that room, shutting the door, and I'm never going back. So I made my way back down the path that I walked. It was very well worn. There was a lot of people traveled up and down. So I come back to the first place that I started. I still have my mask in my pocket. I took the mask off and I began to ponder, okay, if I went down the path of pleasing God, then I wonder what this path of trusting God means. It's definitely not as worn. Don't really know what that means to trust God, but I am going to go down this path of trusting God. So I make my way down the path, come around a clearing, and there ahead of me is an unopulent building. It's just, it's a nice building. Beautiful flowers out front. What I did notice is there's a welcome mat right at the door. As I walked up to this room, I saw above the door of this place was something called grace. And as I walked up to the door, I thought, okay, how does this door turn? How, does it, how, how, how do I open this door? And it said, grace above the door and right below the door where you had to look was a word called humility. As I turned that door and began to walk through it, I was greeted again. Very nice. Hostess came up. And I learned a lesson in the other room. So when she asked me how I was doing, I'm like, bless God, I'm fine. Everything's great. And I said, wait a second. As soon as I pulled that mask out and started to wear it, she said, we don't wear those here. I said, no, 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 no. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know what's really going on in my life. I'm full of of envy. I'm full of lust. I'm I'm full of all kinds of things that God would not be pleased with. And I know he's constantly surveilling me, so I'm in trouble. And I turned around to go back out that door. I hear a voice from the back of the room and says, is that all you got? I I see your envy and I see your lust and I'll raise you your envy and lust for a prison sentence, bankruptcy, and a failed marriage and constant drinking. What do you say to that? 
Because they said, you're in the room of grace. Because I said, as I walked in the room, I've been here before. I'm not falling for being honest. I'm not falling for taking my mask down and saying, hey, I'm not fine. Church, I came to tell you something this morning that's very important in your spiritual walk. It's okay to step back and say to yourself, you're not okay sometimes. The church is meant to be a hospital for hurting people. It doesn't mean you stay and live in the hospital. Come on, somebody. It means that you can go down one or two paths and you can be in a room filled with grace. Now, the room filled with grace has some signs on it too. Here's one of them. Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 5. But God is rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. As I made my way around the room, on the other wall was Romans 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. But when God our Savior, Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3, 1 was on one of the walls. See how very much our Father loved us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. And then I turn and I see a sign about pleasing God, and it causes me to lift the mask back up. And then I read the sign, Hebrews eleven six. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. You know what pleases God? Listen, when we humbly ask Him to transform us, when we humbly come to Him and we say, God, I went down the road where I thought And listen, you hear me this morning. We live a life of obedience and pleasing God, but sometimes we can get into the parable that we're going to look at in Luke 18 here in just a moment. In Luke 18, Jesus put out a very plain parable of two different characters in this story that I think we could all find ourselves in today because oftentimes in our Christian life, we put on the mask. And can I tell you, God doesn't want your mask this morning. He wants you. And true humility comes to God and says, God, I don't have everything figured out. God, there's some things in my life and in my heart that I know full well do not belong there. And God, I just humbly ask you to help me, to change me. And this is so important to understand. This is done in the context of a place and a people. So if you're looking for a place and a people, to join yourself to. I thank God that when I got saved all those years ago, going on 26 years now, that I came into a group of people that didn't wear masks. I was seeking God. I was trying to find out what He wanted. I was trying to find out what pleased Him. 
And I began to learn some things throughout my Christian life that I want to share with you today in regards to laying the mask down. Because I told somebody the other day, this is how I kind of kicked off my thought process in my sermon today. Was I told somebody the other day, we were just having a discussion, and, and he actually said very nicely to me, he said, man, I just I appreciate you being real. Appreciate you being transparent. You know, you don't stand up there like you've got it all figured out. We know that you struggle with some of the same things we struggle with, and you're there to lead us in how to overcome them. Amen? And I very simply told him, I said, well, what I've learned in my life is I'm usually, I usually don't, don't feel an affinity or a connection with a person that tells me constantly how wonderful they are. <laughs> right? But if I meet somebody, I struggled with, with alcohol for many years of my life was running from God from 13 to 23, running hard. And I, I learned something all the way back then, simply that, that when I would meet somebody that shared the same struggle I had before, there was an instant bond. You see, we're not united by our mutual strengths this morning. We're united by our mutual weakness. And if we as Christians just want to put on the, the nice face and the suit and just bless God, everything's great and fine, when you know full and well, when you really look beyond the mask... There are hurting people all around us all the time. And usually what we do, and it's well-intentioned and it's well-meaning, but we're just, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and, and just please God. And they don't have a clue what that even means. And I've learned some things in my spiritual life. You know what pleases God more than anything else? When we come with humility to Him. When we come with honesty God doesn't want to save your fake you. He wants to save the real you. That Let me let you in on something this morning. He knows you. <laughs> and we do too. You ain't hiding nothing, honey. Come on. Not at all. So let's look at Luke 18 today. In the spirit of opening ourselves out up today and understanding God's desire to produce authenticity in our lives. And we'll look at these two characters and how God viewed them. When you, when you see the parables of Jesus, we can clearly see how God viewed this situation. And it's really shocking and surprising. And uh, let's read Luke 18, and we're going to start in verse 9 this morning. Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, as you are already here and you're already working in people's hearts, Father, I pray that you would continue your work. You would anoint me. Anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside. But whatever is said under the unction and anointing of Holy Spirit, let it find its way into my heart, our hearts, and grow fruit. Fruit that pleases you. Growth that, is, that comes from being connected to the life-giving source, Jesus Christ. So Lord, today, convict our hearts. Show us areas of our lives where we're wearing a mask. And Lord, help us take that mask off so we can just be real before you and real with each other, God, today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Verse 9 says, also he spoke to this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That's the room of try harder. That's the room of be more scared. Come on. Now, if you want to know whether or not you're being addressed in this parable, because many of you are like, well, that's not me. Let me ask you some questions, because I think by asking these questions, I found some places in my own heart that I looked down on other people. I found some places in my own heart where I lifted myself up unnecessarily. And can I tell you, in your life, the only one that needs lifted up is Jesus and his grace and his beautiful gospel and his mercy. Do you ever look at people who don't go to church and think you're better than because you do go to church? If the answer is yes, Jesus is talking to you. Do you ever look at people in prison and think you're better than they are because you're not? If so, Jesus is talking to you. Some of you sitting in this room are like me. You just didn't get caught. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Do you ever look at people who are divorced and think that you are better than them because you aren't? If so, Jesus is talking to you. Do you ever look down your nose at anyone for any reason and think you are better than they are? If so, Jesus is talking to you. Everybody say, Jesus is talking to me. Jesus is talking to me. Because I promise you, each and every one of us will find ourselves in this story because at one time or another, all of us are guilty of trying to impress God. I'll never forget, and I've shared this before, but for many people who may be new, I'll never forget really struggling with a sin issue for an entire year after I gave my heart to the Lord. And you couldn't have found a more on fire person. You couldn't have found anybody more in love with Jesus than this man right here is and, and always will be. Amen? Amen. But I struggled. I'll never forget this. God supernaturally delivered me at an altar. And I was at a restaurant, and it, had, it was in a strip mall. It was a pizza restaurant. I was sitting at a table right by the window. And I'll never forget, I saw somebody from church pull in, and they got out of the car, and they were doing the same thing that I had struggled with just weeks before. And they got out of their car, and I looked, and I said, I can't believe the nerve of that sister. And it's like the Holy Spirit just piled me upside the head and like, dude, that was you three weeks ago. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we can look down on other people, something that God had to send 12 angels to deliver me from three weeks before? Like a portal of heaven opened over me that night and light just shot down and zapped the enemy out of my life. And some other people have a harder struggle because God's teaching them something through the struggle and what he's teaching them is how to trust him. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me today? Because we, we, we go down the road. And, and again, hear my heart this morning. I want to please God more than anything else in this world. But I've learned after 26 years, <laughs> here it is. I can't impress God. That's a revelation for some of you this morning. I can't impress Him. And that's a beautiful thought because... In verse 10 10 and 12 we read, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. And I I know immediately you're kind of ready to like me to jump all over the, the Pharisee in that situation. 
But quite frankly, he really was an Eagle Scout. I mean, he really was a good person. He really was. When he says in the scripture that, hey, the, the Jews were only required to, to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. That was it. So he, he, he fasted twice a week, which was 103 more times than what you were required. It says, I tithe every, you're just supposed to tithe on your income. And the tithing system was 10. He said, I tithe everything. So he was a double tither. Now there's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with tithing. But when you begin to look at what you're doing and say, this is going to get me into heaven, you're walking on dangerous ground. And we could all find ourselves in that place that we begin to look at the righteous things that we do, not out of heart of love and obedience for our heavenly father, but about somehow going down the, the path of work because church, I came to tell you this morning, there's not three paths to heaven. There's one path. His name is Jesus, his blood, trusting in him. And listen to me, not wearing the mask in front of him. And, and what the Pharisee did, if you look at the story is the interesting thing about the temple is it was veiled and it was sectioned off to keep people out. That's what's beautiful about the way now being open that Hebrews talking about a new and living way through Jesus' body, through his blood, where we can come now into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And when they all came together, what they would do is if, if you're a woman, you stayed out here. If you, if you were a Gentile man, you could come to this point. If you were a Jewish man, then you got to go into this, this part. And then beyond that was the thick veil with the Holy of Holies. So is the Jewish men all gathered together, he comes standing straight. This is, this is my interpretation of what Jesus is saying here in the parable because I know human nature. He's going to stand right in the middle with the sun beaming down onto his face and he's going to lift his hands right in the middle of all the congregation so that every, and this was a person who did everything. He dotted every I. He crossed every T. I can't stress to you enough that you could not even live the life he probably lived of austerity and dedication to God and everything else. And he stands in the middle of the congregation. The sun is beating down on him. And it says that he begins to look down. And then off in the corner, you have the tax collector who didn't even feel like he could be in the middle of everything, but he's off to the side. Because the man standing in the middle thought he could gain brownie points with God if he just did these things. In other words, he thought, I can get into heaven by all these good works that I'm doing. But church, I came to tell you this morning, if you put your trust in church membership, if you put your trust in church attendance, if you church put your trust in baptism that we're getting ready to do, I tell people, the main thing I tell people at baptism time when I talk to them, is baptism doesn't save you. You don't become a Christian because you get baptized. You get baptized because you've become a Christian. Amen? Amen. And we put the cart before the horse in our life. When you're seeking God, it's easy to get down the road of, well, I'll just try harder. And if I fix these issues in my life, then God will accept me. What God is impressed with is when you don't try to impress God. It's like the story of the fifth grader I heard one time. She came home from school and she was so excited. She told her mom, she said, mom. Great news. They did votes today. It's the end of the year and they're doing votes. And I got voted the prettiest girl in class. And the next day she comes home and she's even more excited. And she says, today, Mom, I got voted the most likely to succeed. And she's like, honey, that's wonderful. Prettiest and the most likely to succeed. The third day she comes home and she says, Mom, I got great news. I got voted the most popular girl in school. 
Fourth day, she comes home, and she's upset. She's crying, and Mom's like, what's wrong? She said, well, they took another vote today, and I got voted most stuck up. (laughs) Listen, when you walk with God for a long time, there can even, for 26 years of walking with God, you can begin to come to a place where you begin to think all these good things in my life are because I've been so good. That is so dangerous. Because God's grace is just that. It's called unmerited favor. It's called God pouring himself out for us. Because if you notice in there five times you will read the little pronoun I. Everybody say I. I. He said that. He said I. I. In other words, he had an inflated view of who he was. And listen, he had an inflation and deflation problem. He had an inflated view of himself and he had a deflated view of who God is. He couldn't see the truth because his eyes were too close together. Come on, somebody. His pride had made him too big for his spiritual bridges. C.S. Lewis once said this. It's so good. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. The Pharisee had fooled himself about, about himself. He says, God... I thank you that I'm not like other people. But listen, he was like other people. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He was just like other people. You can almost just see him gesture his hand to the tax collector that's over in the corner. And here's the danger. And this really is a danger. It's dangerous because there's no way he could have known the tax collector's heart. And I'll teach you a message sometime on how we misinterpret and misuse, you know, judge not lest you be judged. There's judgment we're supposed to do as believers. Amen? Amen. But listen, be very careful. Judge with righteous judgment. In other words, righteous judgment to me is scriptures that tell me, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one, somebody who falls into sin that's a brother or sister, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness and humility, lest you yourself also be tempted. In other words, it's a slippery ice when you go to help pick somebody else up because you could be tempted. It's an understanding that God is our strength. God is our salvation. God is our power. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And this man here was kind of... So we understand that... You know what impresses God? Jesus. (laughs) So make sure you're found in Him. Trusting in His righteousness. Trusting in His goodness, trusting in His mercy, trusting in Him. Amen? And it says this, He stood and prayed thus with Himself. Listen, when you approach God with pride, you're just going to end up talking to yourself. I promise you, you will. He prayed, literally the word verbiage in there is, and He prayed to Himself. (laughs) Uh, that's one of the scariest things I can think of because when I'm praying, I want to make sure that I'm reaching heaven because I need heaven's help. I need God's strength. I need God's forgiveness. Number two, humility impresses God. We see this from the parable. We see this from the passage of Scripture. Humility impresses God. The doorknob of the little house with the flowers where you go in and, and everybody. And listen, there's one thing to be real, but if you've been real about your struggle for 10 years, you need to get delivered, you know, Don't live a life where you're constantly in the hospital. God wants you victorious. Amen? God wants you strengthened. But here's how that begins. I learned this. How it begins is being honest before God. Being honest with Him. 
So humility impresses God. The contrast Jesus gives would have been easily recognized to those hearing this parable. Listen, a tax collector was as different from a Pharisee as the Pope is from a postal worker. The contrast that he was giving was Pharisee, tithe, 103 times a year, did all the things right, you know, cross. He wasn't downing that fact. He was downing the fact that what this man began to do was think that he had favor with God based on what he was doing rather than the favor and grace of God. And, and don't miss this. The, the tax collectors were absolutely the, the most despised people in Jewish society. I mean, despised. When, when, Jesus, when Jesus draws out this, this, this comparison here in this parable, we can sometimes kind of skip by the fact that tax collectors, they worked, they were, they were I, I, let, me, let me just say it this way. It would be like, God forbid, it would be like China or Russia takes over the United States and we're occupied by, you know, Russian troops. And then they recruit people from right here amongst us to be their IRS agents. So they come knocking on the door. And there was, there was no rhyme or reason to what they would tax you. They'd say, well, I feel like taxing you double today. You better pay it or the, you know, the Chinese troops will be at your door tomorrow morning if you don't hand me this. They despise them. And, and think about that. What we see here is somebody that even though they were looked down on, frowned upon, and despised by the society that they lived in, if you can come to God with humility, God will listen to your prayers. And you could probably see it in his eyes. The passage goes on to say that he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. So the Pharisee was too proud to look up. The tax collector was too ashamed to look up. So you, 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 you had something on both sides that needed to be dealt with. The Pharisees are too proud to, to cry out to God. The tax collectors too ashamed to look up to God. And he, you could hear, I hear the sincerity in his voice when I read this scripture. I always have. Because I don't know about you, but I've prayed this prayer many times. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I didn't just pray it one time 26 years ago. I pray regularly. Because sometimes when you get a glimpse of your own heart, it can be a little, take you back a little bit. Amen? I'm not saying I haven't grown tremendously from then till now. Tremendously. Tremendously. But I also understand even after 26 years, there's layers of my heart that God still needs to dig into. There's places in my soul that God wants to regenerate and renew. It, listen, it's a, it's a never-ending journey. And if you don't know that, beginning your Christian faith and beginning your life and your walk with Christ, if you don't know that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I wish it was a marathon that just had nice straight paths. I'm like running my first year of, of living for Christ and love with him. And I'm like, is that a mountain? Oh, there? That shouldn't be there. God's going to move the mountain. He's going to move the mountain. I, I speak faith. Be plucked up in the, and be casted in the midst of the sea. And whoever does not doubt in his heart but believes God, it will be done. In Jesus' name. I'm like, it's still there. So then I run across scriptures in, in, in the Old Testament that say, He will make your feet like the hind's feet of it, to climb. So it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and there's a lot of mountains, and there's, listen, then you go back down into the valley. <laughs> but I've learned a lot more in the valley than I ever learned on the mountaintop. Because then I get close to, listen, you, you, you experience God in a powerful way on the mountaintop, but I learn intimacy with God in the valley. Yes. 
come on. I felt that land this morning right there for somebody that's in this room. You're in a valley and it feels like you're just walking through darkness and walking through despair and walking through a tough place. Can I tell you, when you've committed your life to Christ and received His grace, He is right there beside you. Facing the death of a loved one, facing difficulties in your life, He is right there. Now, the Bible says very clearly, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen? But this pastor wants to tell you something even about the, the holiness that God requires of us. Because it, when I, again, young Christian, had a, had a proclivity to be the type, because the way I was raised and being on my own at 18 years old, I, I was the type, I, I'm going to figure out how to do this. Amen? In other words, just self-starter. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the bull by the horn. I'm going to get to heaven. <laughs> and then God let me run out of my own strength, and that was the best thing that ever could happen. So you're like, I'm so worn out walking with Christ. You're not supposed to be. Because it's an inward renewal that even though our bodies are perishing outwardly. And, and really when it comes to holiness, I understood something very important when it says be holy as I am holy. Because really what the Bible is, is telling us and talking about in a very profound, powerful way is just like the instruments in the temple. The instruments of the menorah and the bronze laver and all the altar and even the even the in the holy of holies the ark of the covenant all these things that God said I want you to I want you to replicate this of the pattern that's in heaven I want you to replicate it on earth because I want heaven on earth I want my presence to dwell amongst my people and really the cups and the goblets and the knives and the altar and all the things that you would walk into the outer courts and begin to see by way of pointing to God they probably sold them, well, probably actually sold them out in the, in the waiting room, right, as, as souvenirs. Hey, you want a menorah? This is just like the one that's inside of there. You can take it home and put it on your mantle. So my point is simply this. What made those elements and those pieces holy was that they had been separated and set apart for the master's special use. And the Bible clearly tells us when we come to God humbly and don't take the attitude of the Pharisee, of God, I'm, thank God I'm not like these people over here. Thank God I'm not like that person over there. Thank God I'm not like those people. And we come with humility and say, God, I need you to have mercy on me. Listen, what God begins to do, he, Jesus said, this one went away justified. This one did not. One found salvation in God and one left self-righteous. And I wonder how many times we come into our church and we make a call of repentance. We make a call of living holy for God. Let me tell you what makes something holy. It's God says it's separated and the presence of God is upon it. That's what separated inside the temple was that they had the... Pre- so what you need to be seeking as much or more than anything else is God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Set me apart for your use. It says, in, it, the Bible's clear, it says in any dwelling there's, there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. I want to be a vessel of honor. So a humble, heartfelt prayer is, God, have mercy on me as a sinner. God, begin to separate me and, and place your hand upon me. And God, do, like David said, Lord, don't let your Holy Spirit depart from me. Because it's His presence is what sets us apart. Maybe I'll talk about that next Sunday. What attracts the presence of God? Because you may be sitting there and like, okay, that's cool. I want to be set apart for God, but how do I get more of His presence in my life? 
Holiness is a state of being set apart, being separated for the purpose of being or doing good. Number three, Psalm 34, 18 first. The Pharisee thought he was much closer to God, but the, on, the, on the inside it was the tax collector who was close to God. Are you, do you see that? We, follow, we find out why in verses like Psalm 34, 18, which is one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. The door opens through humility. The door opens through grace. The door opens, and again, you can, you can go to the house of worshiping self-effort, or you can go down the path of trusting God, trusting Him more and more. You know, the only thing worse than being a sinner is not admitting that you are one. Am I, am I, in, am I in the right place this morning? I am a Christian sinner, church, right? Because the reality is, I've walked with God for 26 years, so the things I said and I did and I thought, you know, that person that was full of envy and lust and pride all the way back there, trying to save myself at one point, totally radically changed. And listen, this pastor wants to stand in front of you. Maybe you're here visiting, watching somebody be baptized, but listen to me right now. When I came to the realization that all I really had to offer God was my dirt and my sin and could not ever figure out why he would ever... (laughs) want that he didn't want that he wanted me and that's what separated me from my God was sin so he sent the son Jesus amen Amen. so that when we say God have mercy on me a sinner listen that's that's the kind of prayer that God will listen to the prayer where we talk about how God I think God I'm not like that one and I'm not like those people and I'm not like that group and I'm not like that Listen, that's an offense to God because we're all in the same boat when it comes to sin. We're lost if we don't put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. So let me offer some closing remarks. In verse 14, it says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the Lord Jesus draws a conclusion from this story that shocked his listeners. This would have been, again, his parables were hard-hitting, and, and listen... His parables were given because you, as the listener, were supposed to find yourself in the story that he was telling. Remember, the Pharisees wore the white hats in their day. The tax collectors wore the black hats. Are you following me? He was telling the story of the good guy and the bad guy. And he gets down to the end. He says, actually, he left justified before God. And they're like, what? The first thing we should all learn from this is that it isn't important how we see ourselves, but only how God sees us. You need to see yourself as lost in a sinner if you haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. That's, how, that's the reality of the Word of God. You're only in one of two places, and that's why I say there's only one of two paths. You know, I think some of us want to try to make a third path. You know, you're a trailblazer, right? <laughs> I want the combo path. I want to try really super hard, and I want to trust God super well. Or some of you are on a path where the third path for you, like Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of scoffers or walk in the way of the wicked. Or blessed is the man who does not do that. Some of us want to walk on the path of 
trusting and pleasing God and then jump over here to the path of doing what we want. It doesn't work that way. When you begin to walk down God's path, but understand this, is I don't do what I do for God to try to impress Him because I know that I can't. I do what I do for God because I love Him. And now Jesus asked Peter, it's like, Peter, I was explaining to my daughter just the other day, she didn't know it, she's like, is there, you know, different words? Is there? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, let me point you to a scripture that has a different word for love. So the Greek had many more words to convey exactly what they were meaning. I said, this word here means friendship love. This word here means just a, a family type of love. This, this one means like I pour my heart out to you type of love. And so when he's restoring Peter, he just kind of says, Peter, are you friends with me? Well, yeah, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He says, do you, and he goes on three times, he asks him that question. And what I do is based upon his great love for me that flowed down and me recognizing that and understanding that on any given day of my life, my love for him may be here and here and then here and then here and then here. Amen. Is anybody else? Yes. So when we talk about how God sees us, listen, you want to be seen in Christ. You want to be in Him. Some of the verses in the Bible not just talk about believing in Jesus, but it talks about believing on Jesus. I told somebody yesterday morning visiting him, I said, I walked into this room, and we operate by faith all the time, don't we? We do. What I mean by that is you walked into this room, and you plopped down right in that chair, and you never gave a second thought that it would hold you. You just did it. Amen? Amen. We operate by faith all the time, and we don't understand what faith in Jesus is. Listen to me. It's seeing the finished work of Christ and then begin to rest in it. And here's what will happen when you begin to rest in the finished work of Christ. You can begin to, when you're going through a rough time, it doesn't help anybody to say, Bless God, I'm fine. Bless God, there's no problem in my life. We exist as a church because we all go through struggles and we need each other. I need, I need you at times to say, man, you're you know, kind of off there. People have done it. I've received it when it's done in a heart of, when it's done in a genuine heart. And, and we need each other to do our men's group, our ladies group that's happening this afternoon. All the things that we do, breaking down into Bible studies, it gives us the opportunity just to kind of take the mask off and say, guys, I need you to pray for me. I've just been having a, I've been in a valley, been in a tough time. And there's something so powerful about being honest and being real with each other, but you've got to take the mask off. The second thing we need to learn is that mercy is something we cannot earn or pay for. Amen? It is given freely by God, but only to those who have admitted that we need mercy. Alexis and Buddy, if you guys would come back up and begin to just play. I heard a story many years ago of a man who joined the Chinese emperor's orchestra. And he joined the orchestra not being able to play a single note on an instrument. But the pay was good and the living was pretty fine because they took care of the emperor's orchestra. They put him up and provided a room, provided him meals every day, and provided all these things. And when he would go to play, he had a flute, and he would just fake the notes. He'd just act like he was blown into the flute. And he, he lived that way for years until one day the emperor said, you know what, I want my orchestra to come before me one by one. And I want him to play me something beautiful. Well, listen, this man got really nervous naturally. He's like, wow, I, you know. So he faked like he was sick. 
And the emperor said, no, I want each and every one of my orchestra members to come before me. I want them to play the instrument. So he decided to kill himself rather than stand in front of the emperor. In church, in the gospel, in this parable, it's showing us very clearly that you don't have to fake it. Amen? You're given the opportunity and you're given the blessing of God to come because the only time that I believe he really truly bends his ear and hears us is when we just humbly, humbly come before him with humility. Amen? Stand up this morning. I want to extend an invitation to folks who... So the way to impress God is to face the music. Like the man in the story refused to do, he wouldn't face the music. You can face the music now and be a part of the heavenly choir, or you can face the music later and be a part of the some of the most terrifying words that you'll ever hear in the Bible. They... they they sober me when I hear words like depart from me I never knew you the parables that Jesus gave it was very clear that we are, we are to be dressed a certain way for the wedding that's about to happen it's provided the wedding garment is provided by Jesus in his blood another parable that Jesus gave is there's somebody milling around the party that wasn't dressed for the party so what that tells us is there's people that want to enjoy part of a relationship with God, but they don't want to do what God says to do. And what God says to do for everyone everywhere, repent and put your faith in Him completely. Some of you have gone down the road of trying harder, and maybe I can earn my way into the into heaven. Maybe I can earn my way past those pearly gates. We have all these little stories in our culture about St. Peter standing there and going to ask you three questions. The only question that you're going to be asked on that day is, do you know me? The Lord, not me. Did you take your mask off long enough for me to see? Because He already knows the real you. And here's the thing. He loves you. He died for you. We sang about it this morning. All all I can do sometimes is just give him a hallelujah because he has been so good to this man right here. And this morning I want to invite you into that goodness. I want to invite you into the, into the, the church of grace. Into the place where you leave behind you the announcement that you are under divine surveillance and at any moment the lightning bolt is going to come out of the ceiling and it's going to finally zap you. Listen. God has so much more for you. He is a God who leads you beside still waters and leads you in green pastures for His namesake. So if you bow your head this morning and close your eyes, I want to just ask this very simple question. Yet It has an ability, this one question, has the ability to completely change your life in a moment. Because it says in the Word of God, whomsoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as easy as ABC. It's admitting like the the tax collector did. God, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. 
It's believing, not with your mouth or in your head. Some of you may, may, like I was, I believed in God in my head, but it never made its way to my heart until I just humbly said, God, my life is going nowhere. I'm in a pickle. Everything's falling apart right in front of me. God, I need something more than what I have right now in this moment. And then confess Him. That's what we're getting ready to do. But I want you to acknowledge this morning if you say, God, I just need to, I need to admit this morning that I'm a sinner and I need to come to a place of salvation. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are? Amen. 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 We're going to do the confession together if you guys would pray for me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today not with the heart of a Pharisee, but the heart of a tax collector. I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of mighty God. I ask you today to forgive me, to wash me clean, to create a miracle in my heart. I have sinned and I ask you for mercy. I ask you for forgiveness. Come into my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family. You say, oh, that, that doesn't... Let me tell you, in the, in the scripture it says he stood afar off. We can go ahead and dismiss our, we can dismiss our people getting baptized. You guys can head to the back as I finish up for a couple minutes here. But you guys can uh, quietly make your way to the back to start to get changed. But he stood afar off. I would like to think that Later, when he went back to the temple, he came closer. Because that's the invitation of our God, is he wants us close to him. He wants us walking right beside him. And he wants us blessed, forgiven. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but can I tell you, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen? Amen. You guys be seated in the house. We're going to get changed up back here, and we're going to do our baptisms. We invite you to stick around and and celebrate this day with these folks. We have several young people getting baptized, and we're so blessed. This is a, a high honor today to be able to baptize these folks. Stand with me today. I'm going to bless you as I always do. And I don't say this out of religion or routine. I genuinely believe that as the pastor of this house that I can speak blessings over your life. And God will bless you. I want Him to protect you, watch over you, and to bring you back at the appointed time. So, Father, I bless the people of God today. May they be blessed going in, and may they be blessed as they go out. May Your holy presence be upon them this day. Father, keep our eyes continually fixed on You and Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace in our lives. Father, may we not stray to the left or stray to the right, but keep us firmly planted on the path of life for Your namesake, Lord. God, I bless the people of God. Watch over and protect them. Watch over our families today. God, until you bring us back at the appointed time, Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Prayer meeting tomorrow night at 6.30 if you can make it.